We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jess, are you ready for rapid fire? I think this is the perfect segue to some 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 really good rapid fire here. I think you're right about that. So we had Isaiah Foskey declare for the NFL draft today. How will you remember Foskey's time at Notre Dame? You know, I always remember Foskey as, you know, what what he's going down in the record book for and what his, you know, the most influential stat there is as a defensive end is the havoc and sacks that he created you know, on the back end and, and just a lot of what Ryan was hinting at, it's just the freak athleticism, right? Like this, it reminds you of a guy like Miles Garrett, where you just look at him. It's like, this guy could play probably a multitude of different positions yet. What can we use his six, six frame and long wingspan? You know, what, where can he be the most dynamic and effective at? So for me, I, I just, the dynamic athleticism and the sacks uh, is what I almost remember him by. And, and like Ryan kind of hinted at too, I'm really excited for him going forward because I think if he can get into a good NFL system, his game is only going to get more refined, right? Like we've only, I think, seen him kind of tap the surface of his potential. So I'm really looking forward uh, to to wherever he lands, and I hope it's a great fit for him. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. I mean, this guy really, he he basically all but set the, the Notre Dame career sack record in two seasons, 11 sacks this year, 11 sacks last year and then just four and a half sacks the year before that so you know again the bulk of this record came in the last two years what he was able to do and and you know then you add the four and a half on top of that and it was kind of a career that early on you know kind of like you I think untapped is probably the best way to put it because there was all this potential all this potential early on and it kind of took a little bit longer I think than we thought for it to to really emerge but then we saw it, you know, and like even this year, it's it's like he ended up with 11 sacks, but I still don't think we saw peak Isaiah Foskey this year. So I'll remember him as just a phenomenal athlete who made impact in a very short amount of time. And, and I think you're right. I think this is a guy who's going to go on and make a lot more impact. I think the sky is still the limit for this guy in the NFL. It's a matter of refining some things. And, and as Ryan was saying, 
at the start of the show, once he gets to the combine, uh, you know, I think he's going to open up a lot of eyes there with, with the way he tests at the combine here. That, There's a lot of eye him. candy uh, for someone like Isaiah Foskey and that, that, that goes a long way with NFL guys. And, you know, believe it or not, NFL guys will, will like the opportunity or the chance that Isaiah Foskey presents because they know, you know, the, the, you know, the hard things that you can't teach speed, athleticism, height, power he's got all of those things the hardest thing you know the easiest thing to or the, the the thing that he's missing the most is the easiest thing to teach you know the refining the the i guess the his craft his art and he's going to learn that also from guys that you know are on his team teammates will teach him different moves you hear it all the time like guys like micah parsons when he came into the league there are guys that show you you know different things and maybe other you know techniques that you haven't considered before so I just think that ultimately we're going to see the best Isaiah Foskey once he reaches the NFL. I think so too. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, this question, someone threw up in the chat yesterday, and we didn't get a chance to get to it, but I thought it was the perfect rapid-fire type question. Who will end up with more career combined touchdowns at Notre Dame in his career, Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner? This is actually a very tough question because you know Buckner's not going to do it all in this bowl game, so that's off the table. And if they bring in a transfer portal quarterback that ultimately – you know, becomes the guy next year, we might, there's chance we might, you know, this could be Buckner's last game as a starting quarterback, this bowl game. And for me, I, I just feel like that it's going to end up being Drew Pine. I think a lot of, you know, what Malik said was true. This coaching staff realizes that if they want to take the next step and win a national championship, because that's the ultimate goal, they need a Caleb Williams type quarterback. They need a Drake May type quarterback. They need a CJ Stroud type quarterback. And I'm not completely, you know, I'm not saying that Buckner isn't that guy, but Buckner hasn't shown that he's that guy yet. And unfortunately for him, he got hurt and that's, you can't control those things either. So 
I think if if they're serious about finding a portal quarterback and bringing him in, that that's going to be the starter next year. So I'm going to actually say that Pine is going to end up with more career touchdowns at Notre Dame. I think so too because he's he's sitting on twenty. He leaves with twenty six. I guess I should say twenty six career touchdown passes is what he ended up with. Twenty two passing this year, two more rushing, and then two passing last year. While Buckner has eight total, and the fact that. We know they're going out to bring in a transfer portal quarterback, I think, said a lot. And just what you said, there's still – there's there's so much – because of the lack of experience that Tyler Buckner came in with, we can see the raw tools as an athlete. But just the fact that they're in a position now where even if Drew Pine had stayed and they had Buckner, and then, of course, you've got Mincy coming up next year and you've got Carr the year after that, Buckner just kind of seems to be in that in-between spot where it could get really hard for him, you know, to to push much past that anymore, unless he develops at a really rapid rate, either this offseason or, you know, the combination of this offseason and next season. And that's, you know, all assuming that he's still here a couple of years from now as well. So, you know, Pine leaves with the lead, and I I tend to agree. I, I think that it will be him. And I realize you know, some other people think differently. I would have thought differently, but again, you know, the injury, I guess, kind of leaves you with enough doubt for them to be in the system that they're in right now. You know, like Malik was saying earlier, this is uh this is a really developmental kind of gator bowl, you know, for, uh, for Tyler Buckner, a chance to, to, to really show what he can do and really up his game knowing that a new guy is coming in this spring. Yeah. And I see, you know, I see some, some, uh, you know, some, some of these comments in the chat. I don't think that Notre Dame is just necessarily going to hand the reins over to whoever transfers in, but I mean, don't, don't get it confused. The reason why you bring in a guy for, of a, you know, a, from the transfer portal is the expectation that he's potentially going to start. And, you know, Tyler Buckner has only made, two career starts himself and you bring in a transfer Porter quarterback who's ultimately going to have more game experience uh, and, 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 uh, you know, amongst other things. So I don't think that they're necessarily just going to hand the reins over. It's going to be a competition, but ultimately, you know, it's just hard to judge because we just haven't seen enough of Tyler Buckner yet to, to make the decision that no matter who, you know, who comes in, he's going to be better than them because I can't make that statement because I just haven't seen Tyler Buckner play enough yet. Yeah. By the way, I, I see the stuff going on in the chat. We're we're not talking about things that happened in a political realm, you know, with world leaders today. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Joe Alt is beginning All American recognition this week. What do you, what do you think about that? It, I think that Joe Alt, uh, amongst a very good offensive line, I think it's a, a deserving. He's a deserving candidate. You know, he's been one of their best offensive linemen all year. It is something that is highlighted, you know, by different, you know, broadcast groups, whether that's Jason Garrett, uh, you know, some of these guys, the few games that we've seen um, on other, you know, with Dan Orlovsky, uh, you know, Kirk Herbstreet, Chris Fowler, these guys have all talked about, you know, how good, you know, Notre Dame's offensive line is. So it's hard to boil it down to who the best player is, but I think that he's definitely deserving of some of this All-American recognition. How about you? I absolutely think so as well. And to me, it's like it kind of kind of flies under the radar a little bit. You know, like Pro Football Focus is one of the organizations that named him 
an All-American, and you look at the PFF grades that he ended up with, he was the he had the best grade of any tackle in uh, in the FBS this season. He had a uh, the top run blocking mark in the FBS as well, and his 85.6 pass block grade ranked eighth in the nation. And I mean, zero sacks allowed, five pressures this season. And, you know, again, it like from maybe it's because of where the offensive line started out. I mean, we know how good this guy is, but we don't like we, you know, we grade the skill position guys. We grade the quarterbacks. We pick them apart. We, you know, we grade, you know, the, the, the linebackers, all these different positions, the wide receivers, the, the running backs, all of them, we have stats to back it all up. Unless you're sitting there analyzing and, and crunching and doing all that different kind of stuff, then you know, it's it's hard to really know just how these guys stack up around the nation. And, you know, the fact that he ended up with two of the best grades of any tackle in the nation as a sophomore, and this guy is just a couple of years removed from being a tight end in high school as well. Again, we knew he was good, but I think to an extent he kind of flew beneath the radar a little bit just to exactly how good he was. Because, you know, again, you don't get like – I don't remember – like individual offensive linemen getting, you know, like offensive player of the week and stuff like that, you know, like against Clemson, they gave Drew Pine the offensive player of the game and that kind of thing. So, you know, I think it's great to see Joe Alt get this kind of recognition. And and again, it, it shows kind of where this offensive line has come. He's a real example of it, where it's come from in, in a pretty short amount of time the last couple of years. Definitely agree. Fill in the blank. It'll be blank if Georgia doesn't win at all this year. Um, it'll be not surprising, honestly, if Georgia doesn't win at all this year, in my opinion. It, it is hard to win back-to-back national championships. I mean, I know Alabama kind of makes it look easy here and there, but even they struggled, you know, with really good teams to win back-to-back years. So, And I also think that there's a lot of talent left in these Final Four teams, and anything is realistically kind of possible. I think that Ohio State definitely has a shot more than a shot. I think that that game is actually going to be relatively close. Um, and it's just going to come down to is can Ohio state play enough defense uh, to, to slow Georgia down. And is Georgia's defense really good enough to shut down the, the explosive, you know, Ohio state offense. So I think that there's a very high chance uh, that, that Ohio state wins that game. And then between Michigan and TCU, I would assume that Michigan would, you know, go on. Cause I think that they're the better team. Uh, but I, I just think that Michigan and Georgia also provides again another another matchup for Georgia that is that gives Michigan as, as much as I regret to say a realistic option you know chance to to win it all. Michigan has a very physical front uh, offensively and defensively, both things that Georgia has. Michigan has a very good running game, uh, and, and in that game it would come down to I think who could you know air the ball out a little bit better on offense between Michigan and Georgia. So. You know, right. I, I know that Michigan, or sorry, Georgia looks really good on paper and they've done so all season, but they've had their up and down too with some teams, right? Like they didn't just blow everyone couple out there. Couple yeah, blips. There, there's a couple blips. And I think once you, you know, get into these bigger games when it comes to the playoffs, that there is still a chance that these blips can happen. I think that the gap between Georgia and the remaining three teams is a lot closer than what people want to admit at the end of the day. It is, and it is still college football. Anything can happen on any given day, right? So it's like, to me, that gap isn't as big as as what some others might think. I would still be shocked. I would be completely shocked if they don't 
win it all. They've won 14 straight, 27 of the last 28 games, really only challenged twice this year. You know, like we said, a couple of blips. You know, Missouri nearly did it. Kentucky pushed them as well. But for the most part, like to win 14 straight, I think it's 27 of the last 28 games that they've won at this point. Yeah, and I, I just, you know, like like week zero productions, Georgia will destroy Michigan again like last year. Georgia only had the blips because they sleepwalked through the first halves. And that's, I, I just, is is Michigan a mirage? I keep wanting, you know, I thought they were a mirage going into Ohio State. Obviously, they end up winning that fairly lopsided again. But, like, whether it's Michigan, Michigan State, even Notre Dame to some extent, you know, like, these teams that tend to play more power football, you know, from from up here, not named Ohio State, they haven't fared well when it comes to the playoffs. You know, they 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 can bully some of these teams in this you know nick of the woods around, but it's a lot different when you mix speed and explosiveness and size and and the whole thing like Georgia has, especially up front. So I would be completely shocked if Georgia doesn't end up winning at all. I'm glad we are not Marshall is the only person in this chat right now that that also has some of my backing. You know, Georgia gave up 400 yards in the air against LSU and Ohio State's air attack is better. So I know it's not, you know, apples to apples, but you still have to take a look at it. I just think that this game is going to be a lot closer than what people are giving Ohio State credit for. And I would love to revisit this conversation again at some point oh, we uh, will. <laughs> you know we will i mean it's setting itself up for that we're gonna have to revisit it at some point uh we've got a couple of super chats wicked bronco productions tv8 to be honest i don't know why kids fall in love with the flashiness we saw AM fall apart after abusing the pay for player style love estimate digs better than edwards and this is in reference to the edwards decommitment i mean yeah i don't know if he's going to colorado which it, it seems to be one colorado is obviously a lot closer to kansas where edwards is from than notre dame you know so like that's there and if they're throwing nil and i mean it's it's easy for young kids to fall in love with that dion flash i mean that's part of why colorado hired him right yeah Exactly. And that has to be, you know, upon kind of what Ryan was talking about earlier, that has to be in the back of Edwards mind. You have guys like Diggs, you have guys like estimate, you have love who's already committed. You know, there's a, that's a running back room and amongst other wide receiver commits, that's pretty full. And you don't, you don't blame a guy who wants to come in and be that guy immediately. And Deion Sanders has made it very apparent that they are going to bring in guys quickly and they are going to get rid of guys quickly who don't fit the mold for what Colorado is going to be doing going forward. And so when you hear a coach say that they're kind of refreshing their players and the program, and you're one of the best talents, you know, out there in terms of your speed and athleticism, that only means that you're going to get your opportunity to be that guy kind of faster at Colorado, in my opinion. And so another super chat. Also, I'd rather get a guy like, card and uh, have him and buckner battle it out i don't understand why our fans crap on a kid who hasn't had a fair shot so you know again i don't uh, you know i don't know do you have anything to say to that 
No, it, that is ultimately what it's going to be. Like, no one's just going to be handed the starting quarterback. I think it's going to be a competition. Yeah, it is a hundred percent a competition. I've said this before. Fall camp opens up. Every position is is up for competition. No one has their spots. You don't know what the incoming guys are going to be doing. You don't know. You know, I'm talking incoming as in like fresh new guys. You don't know about the guys who are maybe on you know depth chart two or three from the season before. Like. That's why you have the offseason to get better. Guys have a different commitment in the offseason, right? Like you have guys who work very hard. I'll be very honest. When I, my freshman year in college, I was buried in the depth chart. I was, you know, five or six, you know, spots down there. I had a tremendous offseason. I worked very hard and I worked my way up to, you know, a, a two almost competing for the one spot. I wouldn't even say almost. I was competing, you know, for the one spot here and there. So, Things happen. Guys have a different commitment level in the offseason. Guys get in better shape. Guys get, you know, whatever it might be. And the, all those positions are going to be a competition. It's never this guy is just handed the spot. Even we had guys who were all Americans and their I mean, spots were never guaranteed. That's what Marcus Freeman has talked about since day one. Healthy competitions, having competitions at every spot. It only makes you better if you've got that competition. That's absolutely right. All right, just the Detroit Lions are five and seven, just a game better than the Indianapolis Colts, who have a four and eight record. Of course, they're in different divisions, so I'm not trying to say that. But I'm just looking at the when you look at those records and what the teams look like right now, how different do those two situations feel? To me, those situations are very different because I think the Lions could potentially end up the, the rest of the season five games and potentially go on a stretch to kind of make the playoffs. You know, they've shown uh, the potential, the, the, I mean, they're hot right now, right? Like they beat the commanders. Uh, they've beaten the, the bears. I know the bears aren't a great team. Uh, they beat the giants who are right now in a playoff spot. They beat the Packers. I know the Packers aren't great, but these are still division rivals for them, right? Like teams that they don't necessarily beat. And then to me, more importantly, you look at some of their losses, right? Like they've lost to the Eagles by three points. They lost to the Vikings by four points. They lost to the Seahawks by three points. They lost to the Dolphins by four points. They lost to the Bills by three points. Like these are all losses against very quality teams uh, by a very slim margin, right? And so like, to me, I thought the Lions were going to make the step of finally breaking the over 500 trend this year. I thought that they they weren't necessarily going to be a playoff team, but I thought they were going to be a very solid team. And, and next year, the, you know, maybe the year after that would kind of be their window to get back into the playoffs again. But to me, for the lot or for for the Colts, you know, you're going through a midseason change at coach. You have all of this talent. You know, you have this defense that was supposed to be, you know, tremendous. You have Shaquille Leonard, who was supposed to be the best linebacker in, in football. He's been hurt. Their offensive line has been banged up and not quite as good as what it should be. They don't really have a number one wide receiver who can take over. They bring in a veteran quarterback. So to me, it felt like the Colts kind of regress in a sense and that the Lions are making a, a, a push or a charge here towards the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's there, there's been all these expectations, obviously, on the Colts, and they made the decision finally to cut ties with with Frank Reich. I mean, the Jeff Saturday thing, they have actually looked better than what I thought they were going to look like under Jeff Saturday. You know, even when that fourth quarter completely snowballed against them, against the Cowboys, you know, on Sunday with 33 straight points by Dallas. I mean, that was a two-point game in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I, I know you and I were both pretty nervous about that, but at the same time, you know, whether they've had injuries, you know, Darius Leonard out and all this different stuff, like I can name a couple of different Detroit Lions. I can name more 
Indianapolis Colts, the Detroit Lions. And I think Dan Campbell, like the job he has done with that roster, you know, they have Aiden Hutchinson, they have Jared Goff. And obviously they got Goff back in exchange for, for Matt Stafford last year. That roster is not a good roster. And for them to be sitting as close to 500 as they are and a couple of bounces away from being over 500 right, right now, I actually think he has done a really good job and I would, you know, I have no, no, you know, no, no skin in this. Like, I hope that the Lions management and ownership doesn't decide to to cut bait with Dan Campbell. They need to get him more talent on that team, put something on that team, and especially in the division that they're in right now, I think they can compete. You know, the Colts have just been complete underachievers, regardless of of who has been there. So to me, like the Lions five and seven feels infinitely better than the Colts four and eight, considering all the really realistic expectations that the Colts had them, considering that is a bad division as well. And they're sitting there at four and eight, you know, with, with a loss to Jacksonville and, and teams that they have fallen to, you know, so I think it's completely different. I, I think that Dan Campbell has done a lot better with a much worse roster. Fill in the blank. After being signed by the LA Rams this week, it's blank that Baker Mayfield is now with his third team in less than a year. It's comical to me that that Baker Mayfield is on his third team uh, this season. And I kind of, you know, I feel bad for the guy in some regards because he had a really good season when the Browns went to the playoffs. I was looking at some stats um, earlier. Like he, he, he was up there. Like he, he had, I think like 28 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He was up there and, you know, 20 plus yard completions. He was up there for, you know, contested completion percentage. Like he had a pretty solid year, but unfortunately got hurt and then tried to play through injuries and then kind of lost trust within, you know, the fan base and the, and what the coaches wanted to do. And then of course, Cleveland brings in Deshaun Watson and then he gets bounced to Carolina where, you know, rule is kind of testing out all these different quarterbacks and now he's gone. Um, and now, you know, you see the Rams, whether they did it to to block the you know the 49ers or whether they're actually genuinely trying to win games because they have their own quarterback issues right now. I just think it's kind of comical. There's a lot going on for Baker Mayfield, but at the end of the day, you know, I just don't I don't see him sticking in the NFL ultimately. And I think that yeah. this kind of might be his last destination. And unless he does something very dramatic here with the Rams, I think that we are seeing the Baker Mayfield window drastically closing. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, it is crazy that just a couple of years ago, as bad as the Cleveland Browns were before he got there, and then they 
turn into a playoff team in fairly short order, and he's the quarterback for the playoff Cleveland Browns. He's sitting here. He's traded to Carolina, and now he's waived by Carolina. He's signed by the Rams, and like the fact that the 49ers apparently didn't want anything to do with him, even after going after Garoppolo, it's it's just nuts Like to think that you know all this – like the, the Browns – who couldn't win, who hadn't been to the playoffs and, you know, all this stuff. And they were an eyelash away from beating the Chiefs in the playoffs for that matter. And now here he is just a couple of years later, and he's lucky to have a job. And you're right, it seems like it's probably the beginning of the end. To me, it's it's just crazy where he is right now. A uh, few more Super Chats to work in from Jason Luck for offensive coordinator. Okay. Um. JK, I want Tyler Buckner to be the starter at Notre Dame next year. I understand the competition and the competitiveness, but that kid has earned it, and I think he would have done great if he stays healthy. Ultimately, I think he would have done really well. I don't know. I mean, like I've said before, the 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 biggest downside, I think, to this season, especially when you had a first-year head coach and the whole thing, is you completely lost a year of development for Tyler Buckner like this should have been a big developmental like eight and four with Tyler Buckner if that's what they would have ended up with and then you've got all this experience for Tyler Buckner heading toward next season maybe the decision is even different about bringing in you know someone in the transfer portal or the grad transfer portal this offseason but that's not what you have all the experience went to Drew Pine instead because Buckner was injured. I really would have liked to have seen what he could have done this year. And I think as a program, they would have been in much better shape if it would have been him, especially when you look at the fact that Drew Pine has decided to jump without, you know, one hanging out for the bowl game or two trying to go through spring practice and compete for a job. Yeah, ultimately as as unfortunate as it is, Notre Dame is in the exact same position that they were essentially a year ago, right? Yeah. Like they have a quarterback that's no longer going to be quarterback. They think that, you know, Buckner is going to be that guy. And now we, you know, that's, that's the really crappy part about what the Buckner injury, aside from, you know, anyone getting hurt and obviously his, the things that he's been battling to get back. But a lot of what you said, it takes away from the development of him. It takes away from the development as, you know, a team with their quarterback. Um, and I, and a thing that, you know, I wanted to talk about too, with what JK just said you know, I, I think I understand that it, he has earned the, the position, but he earned it for this season. And unfortunately, next season is a completely new slate. There's going to be completely new quarterbacks. And that's why I just I can't I can't personally say that just because he earned it this year, that that should roll over into next season. It's a brand new season. There's, you know, new factors, all kinds of things. Yeah. So the super chat, let's say the dust is settled with recruiting. We get one of our top three portal quarterbacks and no staff changes. Thoughts on the floor for this team next year. Yeah, I go ahead. So the the way I look at this is if they get a, you know, it doesn't even matter if it's a transfer quarterback, if it's a, a Tyler Buckner still at quarterback, if they can have elevated play at quarterback along with this offensive line, um, and the, you know the running game that we've seen on top of a top 20 defense that a, t- a team that finished top 20 in defensive overall t- defensive stats with a very young secondary um and, and potentially you know upgrading at the linebacker position I think if we see elevated play at quarterback this is a very easily 11 and one 
you know, potentially 12 and 0 type of team. I definitely think that you will see more than eight wins. Um, and I think it's double digit wins, whether that's 10, 11, 12, you know, and then obviously going into the playoffs um, as well. But I think you add at least two wins uh, considering the Marcus Freeman's second year um, and a, a, a quarterback with elevated play. Completely think the same thing. I think the floor is 10 and two, especially if you, if you do have a quarterback that's got experience, like look at what Jack Cohn did last year. He, he had, experience and they go 11 and one now the the schedule next year won't be a cakewalk but i still think that that they can finish 10 and 2 against it you know you're going to have ohio state and usc i can't remember if i think those are like in back-to-back games potentially ohio state and usc next year so it's not going to be easy but at the same time i can very easily see them you get the right guy at quarterback and everything that you said about the defense you're going to have more better i think that in vince and i talked about this yesterday as much as as great as michael mayer is and as much of a loss as it's going to be maybe that balances out the offense you know just in terms of you're not going to have a quarterback who locks in on one guy like michael mayer all the time it potentially opens a lot of other things up and and again with an experienced guy going into that position i think that's going to do a lot for them next year definitely All right, well, we will go ahead and wrap it up with that tonight. Again, it has been a very busy night, all kinds of comings and goings here this evening. You know, we started off with the decommitment of Dylan Edwards and and heard about that from Ryan Roberts and then uh, the uh, NFL draft decision by Isaiah Foskey. Also want to mention uh, that that I posted the, uh, the interview with Andrew Marchand, the sports media columnist from the New York Post who also is the co-host of the Marshand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. We talked a lot about the Notre Dame NBC contract, uh, where Notre Dame potentially stands going forward, if there are going to be other bidders uh, for the services of Notre Dame, you know, to broadcast Notre Dame's games going forward. We talked about the current booth of Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett. We also talked about Brady Quinn, since people always love to bring up Brady Quinn, understandably. How we talked you? about Rolex and some other stuff as well. So uh, you can find that on our Irish Breakdown podcast channel, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever you know, you get your podcasts. And you can also um, find it, of course, on the YouTube channel as well. And Tommy Guns, uh, I believe I might have seen your tweet <laughs> briefly, Tommy. I will watch that trailer uh, later on tonight after the show is over because it has been a busy day. So I haven't had a chance to uh, to actually view much today. So uh, I will uh, I will check that out as soon as I can. But I just wanted for, uh, to, to, to get to uh, there was one last kind of super chat in the chat by Patrick Barnes. Thank you for uh, the contribution. He asked about the opinion on Dylan Edwards decommit. Uh, I just wanted to say that we got into that at the beginning of the show, and it looks like that was kind of mentioned in the chat. And I think that's where you'll hear a lot of great stuff because we did have Ryan Roberts on, and he is the the main recruiting guy for Irish Breakdown. Um, but just kind of to sum it up, you know, it, Dylan Edwards, it, it, it's it hurts, but at the same time, that th- this class is so fully loaded that it it, it kind of takes away that sting a little bit. You never want to lose um, an athlete who can provide four three speed, you know, like Dylan Edwards can. But there's a lot still to be excited about in this recruiting yeah. class for Notre Dame. Exactly. Best way to put it. There's there's a lot still in there. They've got a couple of running backs, whether it's Lamar or 
or love. And they've got obviously a lot with the wide receiver position as well. So hopefully that offsets it. You know, like you said, you never want to lose anybody, but between what they already have at running back, and I know that they were talking about Edwards as a slot receiver and that kind of stuff, but there is other skill talent there. So hopefully that uh, makes up for it and they're able to keep those guys because we have less than two weeks until signing day. All right. So again, we'll wrap it up. Hit the like button if you would before you leave tonight. We appreciate you as always. Subscribe, rate, and review. All the good stuff. Jesse, great contributions. We'll be back tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe we'll get more breaking news tomorrow. Jesse, Vince, and I with the special Friday 4.30 live rapid fire. Friday afternoon. We've got that coming up heading into the weekend. So I will talk to you then, Jeff. Sounds good. I can't wait. Me too. Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We'll talk to you later. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com